what a powerful story. And I think the modern retelling, I guess, helps me, I hope it helped you, engage with the power of that story. I was tempted to think at this point that I didn't really need to say anything because it's kind of already said, but I am going to speak briefly about the treasure in the field and then even more briefly about the second parable that Freddie read, which is the pearl of great price. And at the end, I'll do a little sort of heads up of what's coming over the summer on this series about the kingdom of heaven. I was just going to start by dealing with two issues that I think sometimes bother people about the treasure in the field parable. The first is, what was the treasure doing buried in the field? Well, in those days, when Jesus told this parable, there were no banks. If you had something precious and you wanted to keep it safe, you would often bury it. If you remember the parable of the talents, the person with just one talent who's anxious about losing it buries it in the field to keep it safe. The second thing that people worry about is, is it, was the guy being un unethical, covering the treasure up and then going buying the field? Well, in Jewish law, if he had walked off with the treasure when he found it, that would have been theft. But because he covered it back up and then went and bought the field, that, that means everything, well, everything in the field, including the buried treasure, is then his. So there was nothing unethical about it. So what's the treasure? Well, Jesus tells us it's the kingdom of heaven. You might also call it, as Mary did earlier, the kingdom of God. Well, what is it? Well, I suppose, in a sense, that's the point of the series. What is the kingdom of heaven? That's what we're going to be exploring. For the moment, let me just say the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is not about location. It's about rule. Who rules? Who reigns? over your life. Whoever that is, whatever that is, that's whose kingdom you live in. So what does the parable tell us about the kingdom of heaven? Well, I guess in no uncertain terms, Jesus tells us that it's extremely valuable. So valuable, in fact, that the man or the family in the video go and sell everything, literally everything, including the little tractor they own to buy the field. And notice they do it with joy. There's no, okay, the daughter wasn't doing it with joy, but once she saw the treasure, even she was doing it with joy. They don't grumble about having to sell everything. They're not reluctant. They, I guess the point is they found something so valuable that everything else pales into insignificance by comparison. Now, some people might suggest that the parable is about the cost the cost of following Jesus, the cost of discipleship. And some people might think that that cost is too great if it involves everything. Well, it's true that in those three verses that Freddie read, Jesus was only talking to his disciples. He wasn't talking to the crowds. But I don't think that Jesus' main concern in telling this parable is about the cost. His focus is on the kingdom that includes discipleship, yes, but something has to happen before you give your life to Christ. You have to find something before discipleship becomes relevant. And that's what Jesus is telling them about, the finding, what it's like to find something. And when we find a treasure like God's kingdom, the cost becomes insignificant. So I would say the parable isn't so much about 
what we're willing to give up to gain the kingdom, but rather that the kingdom, once we find it, is so valuable that it's worth losing everything else to gain it. And Paul, of course, put this much better than me in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 to 9, where Paul wrote, But all these things that I once thought were very worthwhile, now I've thrown them all away so that I can put my trust and hope in Christ alone. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. I've put aside all else in order that I can have Christ and become one with him. So Paul nailed it, the priceless gain of knowing Christ. That's what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the kingdom. It's his kingdom. Okay, so I know I said it's not primarily about the cost, but here's a question. What does the kingdom of heaven cost you and me? Well, in one sense, it does cost us everything because when we find it, we can't stay who we once were. Our lives are changed. Our loves are altered. Our purpose, our priorities, they're all different. But if you think about it in a different way, kingdom of heaven costs you nothing because Jesus has already paid the price to give it to you. In John 1 verse 12, John wrote, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called a child of God. And then in Luke 12 verse 32, Luke records Jesus saying, do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So it's one of those classic things. It costs everything. It costs nothing. What else is Jesus telling us about the kingdom other than it's very valuable or priceless, as Paul put it? Well, as well as being valuable, it's also accessible. The man who found the treasure didn't travel to some faraway land. He didn't go on a quest. He was just doing his job, digging in the field, and to his surprise, he dug up the treasure. Now, in Matthew 13, and we will be looking at more of this in the series, there are seven parables, and four of them feature a field as, its, as their location. So I was thinking Jesus must want to communicate something about the kingdom of heaven using fields. I'd like to suggest it's the ordinariness of the ways of God. See, just before Jesus told these parables, he was doing some healing, miraculous healing, that isn't ordinary, that's supernatural. But then in this chapter 13, when he gets to his teaching about the kingdom of heaven, he roots it in ordinary things, fields, seed, nets, yeast. Why? Well, I, I think because the normal workings of God are found in the ordinary, they're found in the day-to-day. -day. Yes, of course he can work supernaturally, and he does. But his normal workings are inside and through our everyday lives. I'm also struck by the fact that, I don't know about you, but a field is something that I kind of take for granted. They're all around. We pass by them all the time, assuming we're not totally living in the city. Um, and we give almost no thought to them whatsoever. What's going on inside? I don't know. The kingdom of heaven maybe can be a bit like that. It's always around us but perhaps it's not on our minds enough. 
in these parables, Jesus is bringing the kingdom of heaven to the forefront of our minds and he's telling us what it's like and how important it is. I did say I was going to mention the second parable. By the way, did you notice that the ring that the man gave his wife, which she then had to sell, was a beautiful pearl? So we had a little reference to the second parable in, in the film. Anyway, in the second parable, the man is seeking pearls, and then he finds one of great value. And in a way, it's, it feels like it's almost exactly the same as the first parable, he finds something that's so precious, so valuable, it's worth selling and giving everything else up for. But there is a difference, and that's the sort of circumstances of the two men. One finds the treasure, or the kingdom, totally unexpectedly. He's not, he's not looking for it, it appears in a flash. The second man, the merchant, He's looking for something. He's looking for something precious. He just had no idea he was going to find something as precious and as priceless as that pearl. Either way, it transforms your life. And I guess what it shows us is that some people don't know they're looking for spiritual truth. Maybe they aren't. They think they're not looking for spiritual truth. They just go about their lives. But maybe they're still going to find the kingdom because they're suddenly going to dig it up. Others might be pursuing it and this might be us actually we might be pursuing it we might be going on retreats we might be going to faraway places to find the kingdom but Jesus is saying you don't actually need to go on a spiritual quest or at least not a physical spiritual quest because the truth is here the kingdom is here all we need to do is recognize it when we see it I'm almost there finally last well one of my last points Jesus, you have to read the parable carefully. Jesus is telling us the kingdom of heaven is like finding a treasure in the field or like finding a pearl of great value. The truth is the kingdom of heaven is so much better than either of those things or both of them combined. The kingdom of heaven, as Jesus describes it, and as the father said to the daughter in the film, is far more than we could ever imagine. And she said, I don't want more. And he said, neither did we till we found it. And I think that is true. The question for us is, do we see the kingdom of heaven that way? And do we live that way? And if we don't, and let's be honest, at times we probably don't, I certainly don't, what's to be done? I think the first thing I'd say is stick with us in this series because this series over the summer is all about the kingdom of heaven and we're going to be going deeper and looking at all these different aspects, different speakers. I'll, I'll go through it in a moment. So stick with this series because this series is going to help us find out more about the kingdom of heaven. Secondly, if, as I sometimes feel, you feel you've lost touch with how precious God's kingdom is, ask Jesus to show you his kingdom afresh. That's, I mean, that's a prayer he loves to answer. Think about what he said in Luke 12, verse 32. It's the Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. So I think part of it is about us pursuing Jesus, pursuing his kingdom. And thank you, Joel, for those amazing choruses at the beginning because they were pretty much all about that. I suppose a final thought from me, if you want to find or maybe refine the kingdom of heaven, then 
there are some simple things we can do. Maybe it's, you know, so reading a gospel. You could read Matthew's gospel because we're going to get bits of it unpacked over the next few weeks. Or if you want something simpler, read Mark's gospel. Or maybe if, like me, you've, and you've already gathered this because I showed the video. If, if, like me, you actually find it easier to watch something, you find it more challenging when it's visual, then maybe watch The Chosen and fall in love with Jesus again. Because I think that's part of what we need. The kingdom of heaven seems, doesn't seem as um, precious and priceless as it once was. Then that's probably what we need to do. Now, I did say I was going to do a plug for the summer series. We're looking at some of the descriptions of the kingdom of heaven in Matthew's gospel. Matthew has a bit of a theme on the kingdom of heaven. So throughout June and July, we will be covering next week, Mary's already mentioned, Mary is speaking on the beginning of the kingdom when Jesus calls his first disciples, thinking about how they were the first outposts of that kingdom. The week after, so that's two weeks today, do be here two weeks today. In, sorry, it'll be in the morning next week, but in two weeks today, it'll be in the evening. And a whole service will be led by our young people, by our youth, um, everything. They'll be doing absolutely everything. And they will be looking at the way of the kingdom and how it is so topsy-turvy when compared with the way of the world. And as a visual thing of that, you know, the maths is different in the kingdom as well. Um, the week after that, Libby Piggott is going to be looking at how the kingdom is for everyone and how it makes us whole. Then Peter Teagle is going to be looking at the task Jesus gives us to share the kingdom with other people. Lynette Teagle will be looking at the sign of the kingdom of heaven. Nigel Rawlinson is looking at the sort of soil that the kingdom takes root in. Barney Wardale will be looking at what Jesus meant when he said we should become like little children to get into the kingdom. And to round it all up, Ian Sharp is going to conclude with how we should wait for the fullness of the kingdom, the return of the bridegroom. That's an amazing summer. That's quite a lot we're going to be covering. So do come if you can on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings. And if you're confused about Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings, do get yourself on the email because at least that will get it clear each week. Um, right, so having done the little advertisement for the series. I'd like to go back now to the priceless nature of the kingdom of heaven. Um, I'd like us just to spend a little bit of time, about five minutes, just reflecting on the treasure, the treasure in the field, the kingdom of heaven, and what that means in our own lives. So just on our own, a bit of quiet, and to help us reflect I'm hoping Bill is going to play a song. Jesus, we pray that you would help us to see the treasure in the field, the pearl of great price. Help us to know just how precious that kingdom is, how precious your presence with us is. And Lord, we, we want to know your presence, not just in a chorus, not just in a church service. We want to know your presence in our everyday lives, in the dailies, Lord, moment by moment, hour by hour. So, Jesus, we pray that we can hear your voice, not just in the big things of our lives, the big decisions, the big um, choices we have, also, but also, Lord, in the small things, in the 
interactions with our friends and family and the words that we speak, Lord. We need your presence, but help us, Lord, as we live those sometimes quite ordinary lives to know, Lord, the power of the treasure in our own lives, not because we are special, but because we know you and you are special. So we pray that your power and your presence would live out in our lives, Lord, and turn these, what I'm calling, ordinary everyday lives into special lives for you, Lord, in Jesus' name.